We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle just out of the FA Cup, something we've got used to saying over the last 14 years, but it's now in June for a number of reasons rather than January. The feeling's still the same, though. Uh, we got much further this year than we did previous years, and we've gone out 2-0 very comfortably, really, to, to Manchester City at St James's Park. And you've got Alex Hurst, Ben Wade, Simon Cowell, Michael Collin to talk you through it, what happened, why it happened, and how we're feeling. Mickey, first question, right at the FA Cup, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty good, and to be honest, it was kind of the glimmer of excitement and positivity we had going into the end of this season and you know being I think we're pretty safe in the league there was nothing really much to play for um, and behind closed doors it's worse to watch anyway so it, it was like the only thing that was really keeping us interested and it feels like a little bit of a missed opportunity and we'll come on to, we'll come on the reasons why and you know ultimately we were, we were well beaten but it wouldn't have taken a miracle for us to win that game today and progress to the semi-final for the first time in 15 years yeah um Against that, that game against Chelsea, it's just it. It's really, really disappointing, and I think it's 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 as much that, and then the manner in which we've played the game. But 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 overall, just be, being out of the cup, I'm I'm really gutted. I'm really, really gutted, and I've been really, really excited about this game for months now. Um, and it was it it was so disappointing from start to finish. Um, you wonder how you wonder how we'll lift the lads for the rest of the season and and, and get motivated for the games after. After kind of crashing out like that, and you know now now we're in a position where the only thing that that can be positive for this club anytime soon is uh, the takeover. Fair enough, fairly fairly negative. I mean, we weren't expecting a barrel of positivity after just um, losing a, a quarter final to Man City. Yeah, what I will say is, um, I, you know, I said this in the the preview we did through the week that nearly every time we play Manchester City, Manchester City at home, a lot of people talk about. You know, four, five, six, nil defeats, and it, it it never really happens that way when we play them, um, or since since we've been re-promoted uh, under under Rafa in twenty seventeen, they've always been fairly tight games. Um, I think in terms of analysing this one, you know, sign you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who says Manchester City didn't overwhelmingly deserve to win that game. Um, what we what were your thoughts on on how Bruce approached the game? Because you know there was fears, and I I talked with this in our Patreon preview as well. That you know, because it's the FA Cup, you can't just go into it saying if we get beat two, it'll be okay because goal difference. It was a, it was potentially the time to really take the game to them. And if you get beat two, three, four nil, it doesn't matter because the result is the same. How did you see his uh, his tactical plan? 
Yeah, I mean, I was I, I wasn't too concerned about him playing going back to five at the back, and I actually think we played the game at least for the first half hour the way you'd have expected us to play the game under the previous manager. Um, you know, we we just we were compact, we were tight, we kept them out as best we could. What was missing from us, which is I think what you were getting at, was any kind of plan to to get in their half and score a goal. Like it doesn't work if you've got nothing. Like under Benitez, we played some very de- defensive games and we had some very backs against the wall performances, but there was always something like to give us like one or two chances. We didn't look like even getting near like creating a chance in the first half and credit them for changing later on. But yeah, I think the uh the, the lineup apart from Carroll was was spot on. But I think the Carroll decision just baffles me. I think um he's basically done more work in his own half and he's added to the defence than he has done given us any kind of outlet whatsoever. So it's like he was just he was on the pitch to add another player to the defence for set pieces. so we were really we were just going for extra time which Against Man City, that's not really a good a good plan. Mickey? Disagree about the lineup. I thought, um, you know, if, if, this might sound a bit harsh, but I thought Shaw was atrocious today. I don't think he offered. Yeah. I don't think he offered anything. He's given away a pen for no fucking reason whatsoever, which we'll come on to in a second. But he hasn't added anything defensively for us. He hasn't really contributed that much playing in centre mid. It was just a, it was just a wasted pick, and I, I don't think anyone really would have been necessary in that as that fifth centre half today. I think that's. I think that five at the back was the root, the root of most of the problems. And that's the frustration for me. And it's easy to say after the fact. And, you know, at the end of the day, we've, we've played Manchester City with, with five at the back. Um, you know, we beat them last year with it. We drew with them this season, a tight defeat at their place as well. Um, but the reason that Bruce had to completely ditch the whole tactical system of the whole season in early March was because it was such a disaster at five at the back because the the debacles against Norwich Oxford Rotherham Rotherham sorry Rochdale um, Palace you know they were so bad that five and it's almost like you know you know he himself Bruce has been talking about the good run we've been on um, it's almost like we've reverted to, to what we did before and it, listen I get it I understand that you wanted that safety net but ultimately you look at the first half and whilst Caldwell has only made a couple of saves, they've missed a lot of chances. Um, you know, it ju- it just didn't work. And I'd like to say credit to him for changing it in the second half because you know it was hardly like a different, completely different game in the second half. But it was far far easier to watch as a fan, and, and we at least made them pass the ball backwards a few times and ma- made them go towards their own goal. Um, it just seems like such a wasted opportunity. And that was my fear before this game. And listen, it's hard. No one's denying it's not hard. The you know the glimmer of advantage that we had from this tie was home advantage, and that's been taken away from us in terms of the crowd and the impact that can have. Man City are far superior to Newcastle United in every single sense, you know, not just on the pitch but off it as well. And to to try and beat that kind of side, it's going to take something, you know, it's almost going to take a miracle, and we had one of those already last season. So I get it, but I just also I also feel it's just a huge it's just a huge waste. It's a it's a, it, it was a chance to put them under pressure and see what could get, and instead we've we've approached it like you'd expect us to approach the away league game in ten days' time, and that's that's my concern. This was a this was a totally different fixture and a totally different competition, and I just I just feel like we've pissed away the opportunity to try and to at least try and do something. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I suppose some of the injuries have have factored into why we might, maybe he wasn't planning to play five at the back, and we basically didn't have enough centre midfielders to play. 
anything different and we'd also lost Richie so we didn't have a wing back for the left we had to use Rose there and he had an awful game um, I, you know Longstaff didn't look fit Mighty Longstaff clearly not fit enough to start so he only really had Hayden and um, he was he came off in the last game as well didn't he so maybe he's just thought right, I haven't got the midfield to, to do this and that's why we're going to go five at the back at least we've got plenty of fit centre-halves but like you say it, just, it hasn't worked and um, he had I, I, I was calling for Carroll to come off at half time because he wasn't impacting the game and you just you could see that we needed something especially obviously the, they've scored at that point they scored a pen um, from yeah Mickey had completely forgotten about how bad Cher was <laughs> before the game none of us would have expected yeah. that performance from him but yeah Ben just going to pick on that point you made there about the mid the midfield options um, the, you, you said it uh, uh, sort of after about half an hour or so the way we were playing the, the back five weren't really doing any running because we were so deep so it, it almost negated it put more pressure on the midfield to do more running because you had so many um, back, you had had the, the flat back five pretty much um, sitting so deep. They weren't really doing any running or anything. It was the midfield chasing the ball around. So it put more pressure on them even further. And, um, and just the fact that we weren't putting any pressure on, I mean, you, you only had to see in the second half, the, play, the players you want to be on the ball for Man City is Otamendi, uh, Otamendi, Mendy, Bravo, had them three on the ball and they were pissing the ball away and, and made some, some risky passes and, and obviously the, the big chance we got was from that. Instead, we, we were standing off De Bruyne, giving him 10 yards to spread the ball about and it was just a, a case of a matter of time. They, they were basically just waiting for our midfield to, to tire out and then they were, they were through to, to make opportunities. I mean, the, the number of blocks we've made in that first half hour before the goal was has got to be some sort of record, um, but you, you could see it was it was coming because they were they were just pushing them back and, and getting to the edge of the box every time, pretty much through that midfield push, and uh, it was just going to be a matter of time. Unfortunately, the the way the goal comes is just an absolute um, suicide from from De Bruyne, uh, not De Bruyne from Escher, sorry, um, to give De Bruyne a, a basically a, <laughs> the easiest of of opportunities. Yeah, and that, I think that's a disappointing thing, isn't it? And like, it's really easy to to pinpoint those things and say if buts and maybes. And you know, I thought Micah Richards made a really good point at half time, which was makes a change for a pundit, and it was good of him to actually kind of at least just give us a little bit of insight. He just said shares probably blowing, like you know, he's not concentrating because he's so tired. It looks like he has two pushes, and this comes back to the point, you know, to almost argue what you were saying about you know you can understand he's gone three at the back, then. Why you know it's as soon as we go one nil down, he changes it, like and yeah. and and uh, you know good. I'm pleased he changed it at one nil down. That's the right thing to do. But then it's almost like you just you. St- it's like right lads, we'll go one nil down, and then we'll start playing. You know that Man City they still had chances, plenty of them after, uh, particularly at two nil. But you know between that one and two nil period, we were you know were, were on were on par with them. Were it wasn't it wasn't a one way thing, and yeah, we only had one one chance but at least we were turning over possession we were forcing them to kick the ball out of play forcing them to kick the ball back to where whereas I just thought the, the setup from the start was so negative and again I'll say it again if it was a league game I could get I get it and if, if we go to Manchester City it, yeah next week it's like yeah we'll take 2-0 now but it didn't need to be like that and that's the frustrating thing Mickey we may as well talk about the, the big um, the big miss of the game from Dwight Gale a lot of people are very angry at him on, on social media what are your thoughts on it? And do you, you know, I mean, people suggesting that you know we just have to stop playing him and stuff like that. I think that's a bit over the top. And I thought we should have started the game. How did you see it? 
Yeah, especially considering the way that the way that it turned out with Carroll, that he definitely should have started the game. To to suggest that from that that we should stop playing Dwight Gale is just ridiculous. Like I'll I, I, I give no credence to anyone that's making that point. It's absurd. He, he scored he scored like a minute and a half after coming on against Villa the other day with a really good touch and finish. So that that argument does not tread any water. Like I'm not having it. Um, that said, it's a terrible, terrible miss. Um, you have to you know you have to score this if you're a Premier League striker. You, you should score that a hundred times out of a hundred. Everyone gets one done every now and again, but he, he he misses more than his more than his fair share of chances, and that changes the game. You know, we we get the goal there, and you never know what's going to come of it. But the, on the opposite side of the coin, that miss just fucking mullers us. It mullers the lads. Everyone is absolutely gutted that they've missed that chance, and you can see what's coming and it happens time after time, doesn't it? Like Man City go to the other end, have a good chance, and then the next attack the score, and the game's dead. Yeah, it, it, that is a crucial point in the game, and it's it's a massive, massive miss, and it, it's it's awful. And I'm sure Gale's still good now, but he's the best finisher in the team. Like, if you want any of our strikers, I mean, I don't know enough about Mudo to be fair; he's never fucking seen him play. But um, you want you want Gale on the end of that chance more than you want Carroll, in my opinion. And I, I'm not even sure if Carroll would have been in that position. So whilst he has missed, and it's a nightmare. Out of the players we have available, you want Gale there, and I, I agree. He should have started the game. I think what what let us down majorly. If we're going to play that way in the first half and like play ten behind the ball, you need someone who's at least going to hold on to the ball or give their defenders something to think about, tie them out a bit. But Carroll wasn't really doing that. Like at least when Gale was on, he was running down the channels and he was giving them at least something to to worry about. I don't think he held the ball up particularly well either. But Carroll didn't this didn't stick to him once. And it, it just meant that we were just constantly in our own box. And if his job was to be the kind of holding target man, he absolutely failed at it and should have been off at half time. Yeah, it's, it, Carroll's not Rondon, is he? Though? You know, that system that system works all right with Rondon because one, you can ping it up to Rondon and it hits him in the hip. And he still holds onto the ball for five, six seconds and he can get players out and he can get players closer to him. But with Carroll, it, was just, it wasn't even going anywhere near him because he was stood in ridiculous places. For that idea to work with Carroll playing up front there and, and, and playing very defensively otherwise there has to be somebody else closer to him so that he can try and flick the ball on and let someone else run into space and it just never happened you know the, the entire time Carroll was on the pitch he was basically 30 yards away from everyone else like Maximan was nowhere near him Almiran was nowhere near him both of those I think had pretty poor games to be honest but stick one of them a bit closer to him get, get Al, Almiran to stand five yards away from Carroll when he gets ahead of him and then start running in a straight line towards their goal it only takes one to bounce off Carl's head in the right direction and you've got a chance, but it's not worked. You know, and I think part of the frustration probably from Bruce and from Carl, and you saw Carl kind of working on Lee Mason, the referee, all game, is, you know, I, I, I thought Man City got a lot of free kicks against Andy Carroll that weren't free kicks. You know, we had a bit of disagreement watching it. Um, I think he, he really, need, you know, Carl needed them to go in his favour. And there was a couple of them, you know, on Laporte where, yes, there was a couple of fouls in there, but there was also a couple where he's just literally, he's headed the ball and Laporte's got hurt. So he's had a free kick. And there was one where Carroll was really annoyed by, listen, I've, I've won the header. I've not, I've not raised my arms. I've not done anything. Laporte's just got hurt because he's got their second. And that made it really difficult for Carroll because the referee, every single time that one of their players was going down, we're getting free kicks. And on the other side of it, what Rondon used to do really well was win free kicks for us. And Carroll failed to do that. So that that was frustrating, and you know, the, the, there's a big Andy Carroll fan club out there. He's here to stay. Um, again, I go back to it. My issue with Andy Carroll is he thrives off balls in the box. When he was in the pitch today, how many balls did he get in the box? He, wasn't in the he box. Was, I mean, he wasn't in the box, and there were no balls going in the box. And that that's why you're probably right, Si, that 
you know, at, at least with Gale, I'd rather have Gale missing chances and one and five going in than the the the, the other lot. Joe Linton and Carroll just don't spend any time in the penalty area. I'm sure they want to, but the way we play, and it's the same with, you know, we played Almir on the right wing today, like, fuck's going on there? Like, you know, why why bring in Lazaro, who's a right winger, if you're going to play Almir on, who's, who's played the last, like, seven games through the middle and been decent, and he hasn't, he hasn't had a great comeback since we came back the other week against Sheffield United, but it's just, like, these kind of things you can predict and it just went horribly wrong. We just had nothing down the flanks. The full-backs were... Were static, uh, particularly uh, you know it, when we really needed to. You, you were kicking off, Mickey Danny Rose, because when you're playing a wing back and some Max Man's got the ball against two men, you've got to get up. Like you, you literally have to. Otherwise, it's a flat back five, and Man City just exploit the, the space. To, to me, Man City turned up today as a team who had been training against how to play against a back five, get men on the edge of the box, overload the wings, but then drag it back and get shots in from distance, and that's what they were doing. The pro, the problem, the the annoying thing is that when Bruce has changed it, yes, it you know it wasn't exactly a different game completely. It wasn't like the tide turned, but we gave them a lot more problems, and they didn't really seem to know how to how to deal with it. Ben, you weren't happy with with Cardolo for the goal, and 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 then if you weren't, do you think that's proof that Bruce has had an absolute stinker by for some bizarre reason, not picking my best team? I I just think it's it's not an unbelievable strike. It, it wasn't in the in the corners. Um, and and when you see the the goal, um, on the second time, it's it's a good meter inside the near post, and I just I just feel like Dubravka would make that save, and and at that point the game's only one nil. Um, I mean to be fair, Darlow he'd, he'd made a good save with Sterling, he he hadn't really done anything wrong up to that point. I just think that's that's the difference. That's why he's not a Premier League keeper, and that's probably why he's leaving the club is because he's he's, uh, he's he's not capable of of making those those big saves and. Um, ultimately, that's that's what's killed about the game. We've lost two 0 because of that. Um, it's not we've not lost because of Cardolo. I think it's ridiculous to suggest that you, you pin that on him. I just thought it was a disappointing um, second goal to concede. And uh, yeah, you feel like had we had we've played Dubravka, um, I, I would have expected him to make that save. Um, and it, it comes back to, to the point we made before when we saw Dolo was playing. I really don't understand that. That that decision in terms of what what do we owe Carl Darlow? He's leaving at the end of the season, so it's not even as if we're getting him some game time to keep him happy for next season. He's he's going, so who gives a fuck? Like, he, he, should, <laughs> he what what I don't understand why you play him in that game. What is the point? And uh, like it, again, it, you've you've left your the best keeper in the league in terms of the number of saves we've made this season. You've you've weakened way again by by playing him. Um, Dollar over to Bravkin. I just don't. I don't understand why. Why he's made that switch. Funny thing is, Bruce always gets criticised for not rotating the team, and then the one, the one position he's been quite comfortable to rotate this season. <laughs> that that's the biggest mental thing I don't understand. So this this whole like new fad of or oh, you have a second keeper that comes in to play cup games. Like whoever I, I can't remember who the first team to start doing it with. I think it might have been um, it was. One of the the big, obviously, uh, spenders. When, uh, Chat. I was going to say, was it Kudachini and Czech? Yeah, and it's just like all of a sudden, everybody adapts this this philosophy that you have, or oh, your your second keeper is your cup keeper. Why? Like it's fucking mental. I'll, I'll stick up for the managers who rotate the keeper. It's probably just to keep your reserve keeper mentally engaged, and because you know, if, if they literally, and then if you need them and they haven't played a game in five years. <laughs> then you know who knows how match up they are but i agree with you that in this case 
we, you know, when we got that draw with Man City back in late November, early December, whenever it was, um, Dubravka was man of the match and pulled out some absolutely crucial saves in his, his like a really, really, is our best player probably, um, Martin Dubravka, despite the couple of mistakes because he's so overworked. It, it just seems like a real, I don't know, it, like I said before, I think that setting up the way that he did, and yeah, I understand it. I don't agree with it. And I publicly said and, and spoke on the preview podcast about how th- this wasn't the time for a return to three at the back. It wasn't the time to play a second choice keeper who will probably be playing in the championship next season because he's not going to... I mean, I mean, I'm saying he's definitely not going to be playing for Newcastle with the, the deals we've seen this week from Ankyo and <laughs> and Carroll. Anything's possible. But yeah, I agree. It was a, a really tough one. Um, we'll go We'll go around then, then lads. You know, Saw you first, then Mickey, then Ben. We're out the cup. Do you think that you know it's been a a good exercise? You know, do you think the manager and the players deserve some credit for getting this far? We've all been really excited by it. Has it added a, a more positive complexion to the season? Me and you were at Rochdale side in round three. You know, how's the FA Cup gone for us this year? Shite. <laughs> like how on paper, and when you look back, we've we've played two League One teams, and which both took us to a replay. Uh, the the latter of which took us to extra time as well. Like. That shite, and then yeah, we've we've hammered West Brom when they were that they're in the top two in the championship. They've just got much bigger fish to fry, so they just let we win. First time we've played a Premier League team. All right, it was Man City, but we've lost two nil, and and it's been pretty comfortable for them. So it's not it's not really a memorable cup run, is it? It's just we had some nice games, and we managed to score loads of goals because we were playing against lower league teams across five matches, and that's about it. Like it's 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 a humorous. Endeavour, if nothing else. I disagree. I, I've quite enjoyed the um, the cup the cup run this year. Well, I mean, it's, don't it's get a... me wrong; it's better than like going out in the third round every year. It's been slightly better than that, but that's it. Well, that's that, that's that's sort of my point. Like, at least at least we got to be part of it this year. You know, normally yeah. we're out in the third round, and then you've got the like two weekends where you miss a game because everyone else is still in because no one else is stupid enough to be to go out in the third round for fucking fifteen years in a row. Um, <laughs> I've enjoyed it, and you know, I've, like the build-up of this game, and obviously it's been massively extended because of the coronavirus. But the build-up of this game has been good. Like I've been really looking forward to it. Like it's it's different kind of football in the cup where you haven't got the pressures of the league, um, and you you haven't got the pressure of not getting beaten, getting sucked into the relegation battle, and all all that stuff that goes with league football. All that's out the window, and it, you know, a cup a cup game of football is just eleven blokes against eleven blokes, and you never know what's going to happen. Like I, I found it really exciting and. You know the fact that we've had those two ridiculous home home draws against shy shy teams has given us a chance to have like Tuesday night games on the telly. We've been able to watch and score a couple of goals, and then you know my one of my worst ever decisions choosing not to go to West Brom. Still, I still love watching that on the telly. Like it was class, and then there's that mint video on Twitter of the Newcastle fans going going berserk for Almiron's goal. And you know I've I've enjoyed the cup run this year, and I'm I'm really gutted that it's finished in in such a like such a shite manner. Yeah, I, I agree, Mick. I think uh, it it was nice to see us at, at least appear to have a go at it. And um, it, yes, we have got some favourable uh, draws there um, in terms of the the League One teams, but that that's not uh, not stopped us fucking it up in the past. So um, you've got to give a little bit of credit. And obviously, that uh, the the West Brom result was probably the best performance of the of, of the whole run. Um, and I think it did give us a bit of, bit of positivity and um, up until obviously the, the pandemic, 
I suppose the pandemic has, has built this game up further because it's obviously we've had three months thinking, oh, we've got this quarter final, what's going to happen? Um, how how many of the Man City players are going to go down? Who what sort of team we're going to be playing? Um, and it, and it was a, it was an opportunity, okay, a very very slim one because Man City are, are still one of the top teams in in the world. Um, you just never know on in a one off game if we'd have have played it as that, and we've already alluded to if we'd have gone and had a bit of a go and, and tried to put them under pre- under pressure. Um, you just never know, but unfortunately, <laughs> we did know because the second uh, the, the team came out, um, it was pretty pretty obvious what was going to happen. But uh, yeah, no, it's been. I mean, I think it's been a it's it's been our best run for a number of years. So you've got to give them credit for that. Um, you would have fancied it against Arsenal as well, wouldn't you? That's a, that's a horrible thing. Like I would have fancied us to beat Arsenal in the semi final. The only caveat I will say, and you know, I, I didn't really think this beforehand, but you can say it now that we're out. Like at least. At least we don't have to not be able to go to Wembley for it. You know, it would be crushing, wouldn't it, for, for the last to be going to Wembley for a cup semi final and us to be sat at home. So the, there is there is that small caveat that we're we're not robbed of a trip to Wembley, which we well deserve after the last ten fifteen years. Yeah, that's fair. And, and Man City will probably win the cup, so at least we can say we got beat off the, <laughs> the eventual winners. Yep, yeah, I think that's pretty comprehensive, lads. Thanks for your thanks for your thoughts. And like I said at the very top of the show, there is. No shame in losing 2 0 at home to Manchester City. And you have to also, and I know it's difficult sometimes, you have to also say Man City in that first half hour period were, were excellent, <laughs> really, really good on a different level. Just a shame that we ended up, you know, conceding that penalty when we did. One of those things, it's a, it's a kind of who knows, but like we also said, it's also not. That there was just no way Man City weren't going to score if we'd continued to play the same way, which I assume we would have, <laughs> uh, should we not have conceded. So this has been the True Faith podcast. The next free podcast that we'll have out will be next week after West Ham. Uh, we'll be doing one of these shows for patrons uh, after the Bournemouth game. So until then, stay well, stay safe. Thanks for listening. My thanks to Ben, Mickey and Sai. This has been the True Faith podcast. Thanks for listening. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.